Welcome to another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, joined by Kelly Marketing Professor Kim Saxton. Here on our show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. If this is your first time listening, we want to welcome you to the Kelly family. If you're an organizational leader wrestling with a tough decision to make and want some expert advice, or if you know of an individual who'd make a great guest on our show, send us an email to ROIPod, that's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Well, if you haven't heard, starting September 2019, the Kelly School of Business will launch its graduate certificate in medical management to equip non-physician healthcare professionals with the business acumen to change the healthcare industry. And in honor of our new program, we started to examine the frontline healthcare profession and why it's important for healthcare providers to possess some business training. This week, we're continuing the conversation on frontline healthcare with the Chief Nursing Officer of Community Health Networks, Gene Putman, who's sharing what it takes for the success of healthcare in the future. Hi, Gene. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with us today. And I, I think we've talked in the past, and uh, I know that one of the biggest issues in healthcare today is how to create a really positive patient experience yet adhering to the cost hurdles because most of the activities in the healthcare system have a fixed cost associated with them. So how do you balance that as a healthcare leader? Well, thank you, Kim, for having me here today. So first of all, it's, it's a beautiful question because there are so many challenges to providing a patient care experience that is optimal. You know, our tagline at Community Health Network is exceptional care simply delivered. And so what we're really trying to do is make it easy our patients and customers and families to get through the system, to have access to care, and then to be able to deliver care in the most efficient and simple method possible. So we do that in a variety of ways. And I don't think it always costs extra money to do that, right? So a lot of this is listening, really using active listening skills and having those types of um, personality characteristics that, um, that really enable our caregivers to deliver that experience. So, and we are very, um, very lucky to have a workforce at Community Health Network who really understands that. And we spend a lot of time investing in our employees to make sure that they are, they understand um, that tagline. Yeah. So my first question is, is that a recruiting challenge? So are you careful about who you pick to join you? Or is that a training challenge? Can you take anyone and help them understand how to have those skills? Well, I'm an optimist, so I think we can train anyone. But um, I would say that it's very purposeful. We take a, we spend a lot of time with our employees, and I'd like to spend even more, to be honest with you, um, helping them with some of those. So in our recruitment and hiring process, we actually have peer interviews. So people will, um, we actually have the people who will be working with that individual um, interviewing those folks as well. So we spend a lot of time investing in the right people and the right hires because not everybody wants to do that, you know. And, and there are jobs for those people who aren't patient-facing. And there's plenty of healthcare jobs for people who don't have to really d- interact directly. I'd like to kind of pull us out a little broad here. You know, we see a lot of evolution happening in the healthcare industry, uh, both from, you know, the government kind of putting some regulations in and even on, even some healthcare providers such as yourselves trying to turn the, the, the focus not on just making the patient better, but the quality care, you know, of um, giving the patient everything they need and making them feel, you know, like 
like they're valued, you know, so talk about how you are helping to lead that conversation or lead that charge within uh, community and kind of, you know, getting people up to speed as what that evolution is starting to look like in this healthcare industry. Well, we've been working on quality for years and years. I used to be the chief quality officer here at Community Health Network before I took the position of chief nurse executives for the system. And um, our number one priority is safety. Right? We, we do not want to have harm any patient or family who have entrusted us to their care. So safety is number one, and it has to be. So part of quality is safety. And, um, you know, we have a, an aspiration for quality and where we, you know, really pursue that excellence in care. So, again, I said, you know, um, excellent care, as you know, excellent experience simply delivered. And so that's what we're really trying to do is make sure that we're not harming anyone. So to that end, all of our employees are dedicated to um, a certain safety culture. And we spend a lot of time talking to patients um, and themselves about speaking up when they think there's something that may not be going right. But we spend an incredible amount of time saying, please, employees, if you see something, speak up. You know, see something and and, uh, make sure that somebody knows or fix it right there on the spot for yourself. So we are very concerned about the quality of care and outcomes, you know, clinical outcomes like infections and falls and um, pressure ulcers and things like that. But um, you know, that's a national effort that's moving forward as well. It, for those that may not be familiar with kind of the inside workings of healthcare, can you s- somewhat give us a, a snapshot of what this change that's kind of happening within healthcare across, you know, the country um, that they may not be aware of, but I mean, you're living inside it, you know, every single day. Oh, gosh, that's, <laughs> we could talk for the next half an hour on that, Matt. Uh, you know, I would say one of the biggest changes in healthcare that's happening is the dig- digitalization. Hard, I'm hard to say, but you know, we really are moving to a, a digital economy in healthcare, and that's good for patients and families, and it's good for caregivers. So I think that's probably one of the biggest changes that are happening. Um, you know, certainly the quality and safety is, is another one. The cost of health care has to be part of that, um, that scenery and that picture as well. So we're, um, there's, there's, uh, health care is, uh, is not a typically a simple kind of a, uh, of a situation. We are um, trying to make it less complex, but, you know, insurance itself, health care insurance is not an easy thing, and it's difficult for some folks to understand and um, so we're, we're trying to, to minimize that frustration and make things more digital so that it's easy for people to get access to. You know, when you said exceptional care simply it's delivered, delivered yep. my first thought was that sounds like a play for technology. Yes. Right. So can you share some uh, specific aspects of how you're digitizing things? So what what's changed or what could I expect if I uh, interacted with community health care that I would see that I, I wouldn't have seen before? Well, certainly online scheduling is part of our uh, our access to care types of issues, our contact center where you can call and get questions answered, um, find a physician, those kinds of things that are there. Our MyChart portal, patient portal, where people can go in and see their test results. I'm a huge advocate for that. I use it myself. I'm a a patient in the system and I and I love using it because I can communicate with my physician with a question and I don't have to sit on a phone and wait uh, for an answer and I get back to you know oftentimes within an hour or two hours or the same day or at most the next day um, so I love that part because we really are trying to meet people where they are you know what is the best way and if you don't want to use that that's okay you can still call the physician office talk to the nurse talk to the uh, medical assistant talk to the physician so we have lots of different ways, and I think that's the key is meeting people where they are. And so for people who don't like that, that's okay. And people who do like that, we're going to make them, we're going to thrill them. 
So one thing I want to kind of get into is, you know, I think a lot of people think healthcare, they instantly go to think doctors, think physicians, yet they forget that behind every doctor, there's an incredible team of nurses, incredible team of maybe, you know, that don't have hold that doctor title, but yet working just as hard, if not harder, you know, to make sure that the patient is taken care of well. Um, and so for you, you know, what is important for you to make sure that uh, your healthcare professionals are uh, what what skills do you desire for them as you lead toward this evolution of healthcare change and making sure the patient's always taken care of? You know, what are some of those um, tangible, uh, you know, qualities that you look for in some of your healthcare professionals? Uh, teamwork, the ability to work as a team. So we are moving to team-based care. And actually, I don't want to even say we're moving to. I think in a lot of areas we're in team-based care. But there's always an opportunity in healthcare. You don't see that everywhere. But we really do. In fact, our employees tell us that the reason, like if they ever leave and they come back, they'll say, I came back because of the people. And so those are the kind of people that we're looking for is those who want to work as a team and enjoy working with others. Um, again, there's jobs for people who like to work alone too. But by and large, if you're patient facing, you're going to be on a team, and it's a you know it's a team decision making uh, environment. So um, I'll, I'll advocate for nursing and sort of non physician folks right now to say that you know they um, they are a really critical part of the workforce. And you know you look at hospitals and people come to hospitals for nursing care because they can see their physician in their office. They need 24 hour monitoring, and so those in the hospitals, the patients are with the um, nurses, um, you know, 99.9% of the time, right? And so I think, you know, that, that being that eyes and ears of what's going on with the patient is a big part of nursing, you know, looking, assessing the patient, seeing what's going on, how are they responding to the things that the physician has uh, planned for them, you know, their pain, their um, neurological status, their skin status, their lung status, their hearts, what's going on and making those critical decisions that get back to that team. And that's not always the physician. You know, we have nurse practitioners, we have physician assistants, we have patient care techs who are eyes and ears for our nurses and our physicians. We have respiratory therapists who are amazing, uh, doing amazing work with our patients and, you know, all the physical therapy and speech, our chaplains. I mean, you know, we are, we are embracing people in a team-based environment, um, our case managers, I mean, everybody who is um, really part of that decision-making for patient and adds value to the team. So, um, you know, if you don't want to work in team-based care, um, healthcare is probably not the, not the right spot because we really do need people who are um, wanting to, to sort of uh, bounce ideas off of each other and question each other and challenge each other when it's appropriate in a professional manner. And that's a skill set. So it occurred to me as you were talking, I think those are all great plans. And we see teamwork in business is, you know, the watchword. And we all know now that we're better together than any one of us is individually. But with that comes some difficult human interactions. And I'm wondering how you prepare your folks. I mean, sometimes we hear the stereotype, maybe it's not true today, is that, you know, the nurses often will sort of sit back and let others take command and then these conflicts arise. And, and how, how do people manage that? I mean, if you're a caregiver, you're not necessarily a negotiator or someone who knows how to resolve conflicts. Well, and this is the part of speaking up that I talk about is that we really must have for safety. We must have caregivers when they see something that doesn't make sense to be able to speak up. And, um, and we give them some other training. We, we are doing something called relationship-based care with our nursing and clinical teams right now, which will expand to all caregivers, I hope. But, but right now we're giving them the tools. I just had an email this morning from um, a nurse who 
who got some feedback that was difficult for her to hear. And she thanked her manager the next day and said, I was able to accept this in a different way because of the training that I received in relationship-based care and the things that I'm being taught here. And thank you for investing in me. And so I think we're, you know, we're really trying to, to make people um, a little more comfortable. And conflict is never comfortable, right? Most people, I mean, I don't mind conflict because I'm in the position I'm in. I'm just always going to be in that kind of environment. But my goal is to to um, resolve that conflict to um, the, the best of our ability that um, everyone can walk away feeling like they were heard. And, and that's what we're trying to help with our employees. But we have to have that speaking up and that just culture in healthcare where people can say, you know, because lives are at stake. Right. Lives are at stake, so... And as a follow-up to your question, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that are evolving within healthcare. What are some of the traits that you're hoping to train this next generation of frontline healthcare professionals, you know, as they're having to make more decisions on a team, you know, as they're having to think about not just how it affects the patient, but even how it affects the hospital and the cost that it's accruing the hospital for a decision they make, you know, so what are some of the things that you're wanting to train or point people toward as, as this evolution continues? Well, one of those is workflows. You know, there's a lot of efficiency that can be gained in a workflow and in a um, looking at systems, that idea of systems thinking and uh, looking at a bigger picture. I mean, sometimes all of us can get in sort of our silos or our um, put our blinders on and just say, this is what's impacting me and my day and what it looks like. But what does that look like when we are in team-based care and how do we work as a team and how's our workflow? I mean, like you look at electronic medical records, those have added a lot of, um, a lot of time on the computer. Uh, to especially to nurses and so we are you know always looking at ways we can make that a little bit simpler for our nurses and get them back to the bedside and so that's one of the things I would say the other thing that we are really trying to focus on is care for self so we can care for others and and sometimes our nurses specifically um, and, and I would say doctors are probably the same way we're so we want to take care of others. That's why we got into the profession. That's our calling. But honestly, we need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. And so we're spending a lot of time trying to help people understand, um, at least in you know our clinical areas right now, to say, you know, take time for yourself. And what does that look like? And it's okay to say, um, you know, no sometimes and um, to have time to, to take off and relax and, and become rejuvenated. Yeah, that idea of understanding where you fit in the process or even looking at the process, I think is more difficult than I would have estimated from the beginning. I think I'm one of those people who looks at things as a process naturally, but I'm teaching a course, as I shared with you right now, with some medical school students, and I'm making them map out pretty much everything thing that we're doing because I want them to get used to thinking about there's a process here, there's a flow, where are there inefficiencies in the flow, and then what's your part of the flow so how do you get that. those skills? I mean, that, I mean, to me, that sounds like business education a little bit, but um, it doesn't have to just be business education. I just think looking at the bigger picture is a pretty hard skill. Well, it is. And, you know, one of the things that, that, and so again, I mentioned I was the chief clinical quality officer for a while and my training, I have a lot of training in Lean and Six Sigma. And so I really appreciate that because it changed my life and thinking how I would look at things different and look at processes. So the first thing I do is look at waste. You know, what are the waste in a process? And, and so we, we help people with that. And we, you know, we have some training that we give to our employees that allow them to um, look at different kinds of, um, you know, and develop uh, through a, like a clinical ladder, if you will, or a career ladder that says, hey, I want to be a white belt in Lean Six Sigma. And this is what I'm going to learn about waste. And then yellow belt and green belt and black belt. And so they are a part of that. But we also, you know, like I know a lot of companies are doing value stream mapping and, we're, you know, process mapping to say, you know, where do I fit in that? 
So um, that's a that's a really key part of um, our employee engagement as well. Because you know, if you're part of the solution and you feel like someone asked your opinion. Um, there, there's a lot to be said about that for feeling engaged in your workforce. And we are so fortunate to have a really high employee engagement at Community Health Network. I mean, we people see that and they, they love to be involved in decision making. When you look toward where these uh, nurses and frontline healthcare professionals are becoming trained, you know, the schools and the institutions that are bringing them up, how do you see just the even overall education of how they're learning changing, you know, with this idea of trying to get to the bigger picture? Because, you know, a lot of times we'll see someone in the industry is doing a practice and it becomes successful and then it kind of works its way back toward the actual education institutions that are leading, you know, so what what are you hoping for that some, a lot of these uh, institutions start providing to their healthcare professionals that they're not providing right now. So I, I um, have relationships with almost literally every single nursing school in the state um, and some outside the state. And, um, you know, they are so amazing at getting feedback and asking for feedback. And I have nurses, including myself, that sit on advisory councils for nearly all the nursing schools, certainly everyone um, in the in the city and metropolitan area. So we're allowed to give that feedback. But I tell them it's the soft skills. We can teach people how to put in IVs and catheters and nasogastric tubes and check, give medications and understand all that and be super, super smart um, and efficient. But it's that caring. It's, it's the right person and the soft skills that you're listening and active listening to patients and making them feel loved and held, you know, maybe not physically held, but emotionally held. And so we, um, that's, those are the kind of um, skills that I really want people to begin to get because some of those are people have them naturally and some people need to develop those. And so, you know, I would love to see that in nursing schools is just continue to work on those soft skills and, and uh, you know, with the invention of simulation labs, which are fabulous, but you know, it's not the same as, uh, you know, as talking to a real person. And I've had quite a few new grads that say, I'm scared because I've done a lot of training in the simulation lab. And yeah, they, they can respond to me, but it's not like you're touching a human, you know, to put in that IV or touching a human and seeing what they say or having someone crying to you that they're worried about how they're going to pay for this or their dog at home and, you know, their loved ones and, you know, getting back to work and losing their jobs. And how do you respond to that? Right. I mean, that's you're in a delicate situation. And that is what nursing does. I mean, we spend a lot of time caring for that emotional part of of patients and families. And um, that's why I I love our profession, because we just we have this amazing opportunity to impact lives. And we do every day. Now, I hear the passion in your voice. It's so amazing, both from understanding the patient, but also understanding the nurses and then thinking about how to develop them as leaders for the organization in the future. Um, so many fronts that you're hitting on. You're working on the schooling, you're working on the recruiting, you're working on the managing, you're working on the developing. Um, what's the thing that gives you the most joy in your day? Oh, oh my goodness. You know, I am so blessed with feeling joy in my position and my job. And honestly, I look back on my career and I think of how fortunate I am to have spent time in so many different levels of leadership. I mean, I got into leadership. I was tapped into leadership. Somebody saw something in me. And so I've always felt like I've been able to influence and, and have a passion for that. But there's been a lot of, um, um, a lot of work on me personally that, you know, I'm trying to self-development, but I think what gives me greatest joy is developing others and seeing them really, I mean, I've had so many people that have said I became a nurse because of something I said and shared and encouraged in them. 
or um, they became a leader because of something like that. And I say everybody's a leader. If you're a nurse at the bedside, you're a leader. You're leading that team that day. And so, um, you know, what a great opportunity we have. But, yeah, I'm lucky. I mean, there's, there's, there's literally uh, hardly a day goes back that I don't uh, goes by that I don't feel some kind of joy and passion in what I'm doing. So how lucky am I, right? I'd love to, as we kind of get ready to wrap up, um, you know, let's say just you had the next generation of these frontline healthcare professionals right here in a room in front of you. You know, what are you telling them that's going to set them up for success and lead them uh, to take this quality health care, you know, that you guys are continuing to champion at community to the next level? Well, again, I'm going to say focus on yourself, care for yourself, make sure that you're um, filling your tank. Uh, and then you've got to, you've, you've got to find that joy and passion in your, in what you're doing, because let's face it, these are stressful. There are days where you, we see things that are not, um, not kind to our souls. And, and quite honestly, there are people who are not kind to us. I mean, workplace violence, um, is, is becoming a, a critical issue, especially in nurses. They said, you know, nursing is one of the most dangerous professions because, you know, people come in and a lot of this is because they're, you know, they're very ill. I mean, they have, you know, neurological things going on or whatever, and they can be abusive. And so, you know, I, I try to set the reality check, but I just always talk about, you know, try to inspire them to think about, um, you know, why I'm doing this and, and being, um, have an, an attitude of gratitude, I guess, if you will, um, but to say, what is it that I, that I found joy in today? And if that's writing down those three things I'm you know grateful for at the end of the day or whatever tool you want to use, but, but making sure that you are taking care of yourself, you know, filling your tank and then making sure that you are um, helping others do that and seeing, seeing that in others and developing it. But nobody owns our attitude except us, right? I mean, we can blame other people, but at the end of the day, I own my own attitude. And so I really want people to understand that it's important that you, that they own that and that they, and they say part of that is finding that joy. You know, why, why am I doing this? Inspiring words, Jean. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to share with us what you personally are doing and, and how that fits into the community health network and their success in the marketplace. And we're looking forward to, to watching you do more good things. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Kelly marketing professor, Kim Saxton. Our show's mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.